0: Welcome to The Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris. I'm co-founder of the online magazine, The Refined Woman, and my vision is to create a safe space where we can take off that Superman cape of having it all together and share our stories authentically and honestly. I really believe people are dying for the permission to be vulnerable, to just go there, but it takes someone being willing to go there first. It's my desire to do just that and invite you and others to do the same by removing that shiny mask of perfection and courageously sharing the imperfect journeys of life, spirituality, love, business, and everything in between this week's episode is really special to me i'm talking to one of my dear friends davy he's a nashville-based performer producer writer artist his debut ep black gospel volume one has over three million streams this year he played at bonnaroo Lollapalooza, austin city limits his music all over the place right now like if you have seen the wild turkey commercial with matthew mcconaughey it's on there if you watch espn college game day It's on there. Davey is in a place in his career where things are happening and all of his hard work for the last decade is finally starting to make this movement. And so I want you to hear a story. Why I wanted him on here is because it's so easy to see the success of where someone is today and forget that it happened over a long period of time of hustle and showing up. And what I know about Davey is first of all, he's just one of my really good friends and I adore him. Not only is he talented, he has such an incredible work ethic and I cannot wait for you to get to know his heart and get to hear his voice and experience the amazing creative heart that is Davey. So... Enjoy. So you're on, like, you're in the middle of your tour.
1: Yeah, like, we're, we're doing festival. We're in, yeah. like, festival season. So,
0: I mean, you, last time I saw you was here in New York. You yes. played at Soho House here where we're, we're recording this interview. Yeah. You are just about to do Afropunk. You did Lollapalooza. Oh, you did Bonnaroo. You're about to do Austin City Limits next month. I mean, the JD that I met years ago, you were... The guy in LA, like you were on Glee at the time, and then that ended. I want to know, like, paint a picture for people. How did you get here? Because I feel like people go. If people go on your Instagram today, it's like you're making it. Like you're doing the thing that you've wanted to do for all these years. But it hasn't been. It hasn't been like a sexy road. No. So yeah, how did you get here?
1: Um, I think growing up. I'm so I'm from the East Coast. Shout out to New Jersey slash New York. Um and I think initially my parents always instilled like to work hard. Mm. So I always loved working hard. Like I that's my favorite part of recording, playing live shows, is like the rehearsal and mm. and the growth aspect. So I think when you first met me, I hadn't ever like my first job in LA was dancing on Glee. So I kind of hit the jackpot. Um And what that did was I think a lot of people would see that and think that's the big moment, but Mm -hmm. it literally wasn't. It was just a a means to be able to stay in LA Mm -hmm. because that was the LA culture. It was like, oh my gosh, you know, we want to be seen. This person's on this. So I didn't grow up with that. So naturally my energy wasn't like so much in that. Mm -hmm. I knew that when that ended, I would have to get another job, whether that was like Starbucks or whether it was, you know, singing back up. So initially I had always had a goal to not to only do a music job mm-hmm. when I lived in L.A. So after Glee, I kind of started singing back up for different pop acts and R&B acts. How did you get that? Sorry um, to interject, but I
0: just feel like maybe to the average person, yeah, it's like, yeah. how do you even like go from like, yeah.
1: yeah. Well, I'll email anybody. When I was in high school, I emailed P. Diddy. He never emailed me. It's a true story. True story. So I actually only got on Glee because I emailed. I literally went on IMDb. I looked up who was the music like director and found him on Facebook. Stop it. One hundred percent. I don't, I don't know right. if you know this. And then I found him on Facebook. I sent him like my MySpace. That's how like and now I'm aging myself. I sent him my MySpace and was like, "Hey, I" because I was still in college at that time. I was like, "Hey, I'm I'm thinking about coming to LA for spring break. Um, I would love to like audition for this show, you know, or or singing for this show. Wow. Um, and he was in the airport, and he actually Facebooked me back. Um, and he was like, did you write these songs? That's the first thing he asked about my, MySpace page. And I did, they're horrible songs, but (laughs) that no one will ever hear. (laughs) Um, and then he was like, actually, you know, I would like love to meet you. Let me know when your spring break is. So right away I called my parents and I was like, I need a flight
2: to LA. Yeah.
1: Met him at like a Roma cafe in studio city, Mm -hmm. um, nice guy by the name of Tim Tim Davis. He's changed tons of people's lives. He was the music contractor for Glee. Um, And he was like, man, I have met talented people in this town, but I really like your energy. So he was like, I'm going to give you just while you're here, this small project um, for Disney dance crew, which is like a little, and if you go to Disneyland, there's like a little section in the park where they're like dancing and mm-hmm. like kind of like zoom mm-hmm. and then they're dancing but they're singing to other people's voices or they're like lipping other people's oh, okay, voices yeah. so this was my first job and i guess that was like the audition for glee um and then he called me and was like hey you did a great job on that project i would like you to come in to sing back up on this track um for glee and then i did that and i was in the grocery store and one of my best friends remember he called me he's like do you have a headshot and i was like I didn't even know what a headshot was. What's that? Yeah, I was like, <laughs> no. I mean, obviously you're a photographer. You're <laughs> tons of random photos of me. So I probably use a photo you took of me. Um, but I was like, I need a headshot. So um, I sent him the headshot to make a long story short. And he was like, hey, they're doing this all boys school. I can't promise you a line, but like you can sing and you can dance. And so that's that was my introduction to him in general because he was in charge of the music. So mm-hmm. after that shifted, I had that relationship with producers he had worked with. So he had he was working on CeeLo's Christmas album. And so he brought me in and that, um, I mean, he's brought me in on Andre Bercelli. I t- was, uh, saying backup for Donald Glover, Childish Gambino's last project because of him. So he's literally wow. like changed my life as far as just being able to have provision while I lived in LA. He wow. always called me up for jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like I said earlier, to answer your question, I, I love, I loved working. So I was just like, I don't, it doesn't matter what it is. I'm just going to work. Mm-hmm. I think that's the disconnect. Sometimes people see is they see mm-hmm. like the end result, yeah, but they don't see the silent hustle. Mm-hmm. And I'm all about silent hustle. I try my best to really make sure things are fully complete. And I know mm-hmm. what the project's going to be before I like run my mouth or even post it on social network. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that transition, that transitioned into, him having a conversation with me about, hey, you're a songwriter. Like, you know, there's some places in LA, maybe you should do some shows, which you as a friend have been to my many shows where there was like nobody there.
0: Um, (laughs) I'm the tall white girl in the back. Yeah, yeah,
1: you've been to a lot of shows. (laughs) So yeah, so he kind of talked to me about just do shows in LA. Like Mm -hmm. maybe your friends will come at first. And so for a good minute, I would do shows. Nobody would come. Mm -hmm. My roommates would come and their girlfriends would come. And one show I did my now publisher happened to be at, um, and I kept that relationship, um, kind of going, Mm -hmm. not really pursuing it. So the the quick end of the story is a lot of people like management and publishers that are involved in my life. Now they had seen me like perform like six or seven years ago, you know, and they kind of just watched from afar until I felt like the timing was right. Mm. Um, So that answers your question. I mean, I took like a large leap. Basically just cultivating relationships is kind of how I got to where I was at. A lot Mm -hmm. of people that are in my life now, in my career, they were seven years ago, but it Mm -hmm. looked a lot different. It was more from a like big brother or big sister mentor positioning. Mm -hmm. Um, And the big thing I will, no one asked for my advice, but I will tell people is definitely never get too focused on the people that are above you and not look at your peers because Mm. I have been in LA or I was in LA for so long where like some of my best friends became like music supervisors of like some of the biggest television Mm -hmm. shows. And you know what I mean? So because we were genuinely creating together, we all kind of rose together. Mm. And so my journey has honestly been just my community kind of rising and therefore, you know, things like being able to play at Bonnaroo and Mm. Lollapalooza. It's like a lot of my teams invested, we're invested in each other as community. Mm. Therefore, like you, you kind of reap the benefits of those things because the person that books for Lollapalooza came to a show that there was Mm -hmm. like 20 people at two years ago. And she told her team, like, there was this kid I saw, you know what I mean? So all those things are like, kind of has, have been my journey of this slow cooker. Like I'm like a, like a slow burn. Like roast. the slow
2: burn. Yeah. <laughs> it's a slow burn. Yeah. Well, <laughs>
0: one thing that one of my aunt says to me, she says, like, nothing happens all of a sudden. Nothing. The suddenlies of our lives don't happen out of a vacuum. Yeah. They happen from like faithfully, loyally, out of discipline, showing up every day in our lives. Yeah. And oh, that's really good. She's yeah, she's amazing. But when I what is curious to me about like your story, and I feel like really Anyone we see in the spotlight yeah, yeah. is it can just seem like, man, JD came out of nowhere and all of a sudden he's like doing the festival circuit this year yeah. when like you have been hustling for, for sure. over 10 years. <laughs> yeah. And the hustle doesn't, the hustle's doesn't only stop. just beginning for sure for you.
1: Yeah. It just starts. Yeah. You're right. I think your mentality has, I truly love art. Mm-hmm. So I don't look at the like, um, the numbers because you can't, you know what I mean? Like you have to love it. I have to like touring. I have to like doing interviews. And so I think it feels like you're hustling, but it feels more of like you're just in your career. Like I'll yeah. tell people, like I was in my career 10 years ago. Yeah. You don't start your career now when you're right. playing at Lollapalooza. Yeah. Like, I remember I think you came to a show where I played at like Paul, like Molly Malone. It was like this weird Irish bar. Yeah. And yeah it was like so narrow. And it yeah. was like You know what I mean? Like, that was my career as Mm -hmm. well. So I kind of, I try my best to just do that every day. Like, right now is my career. Like, I'm showing up as Davey every day, Yeah. you know? Well,
0: it reminds me of the, you know who Seth Godin is? No. So he's like a marketing guru. I read his book. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to, called The Dip. I read it. My second job out of college, I was assisting for this like big wig photographer, didn't even know how to turn on a camera. There's this 50 page Seth Godin book called the dip. And I like read it in like two hours. And it was all about this idea that we all want the CEO position, or you all want to sell out the 20,000 person arena, like what Beyonce is doing. But we don't want to take the time and the hard work to get there, exactly. but there's whatever job we yeah. do, like there's going to be that entry like, oh, this is exciting. Like you're on Glee, like, oh, like I'll, I'll go be an intern and get the coffee. I don't care. I'm just happy to be here. Sure. And then you hit the dip. Yeah. It can be one week <laughs> in, six months in, six years yeah. in, and it could last for a day or 15 years. Yeah. And That's the whole cool. thing that he teaches is you have to know when to stay with the dip and when to get out.
2: Yeah.
0: I and agree. yeah, it's like so good, Damn. right? And so even just thinking of like LA life and yeah. the music industry, like it's kind of like the movie La La Land, which, you know, it's like, when do you know, yeah. when do you know when to like throw in the towel? Yes. Yeah. When do you know cuz what you're saying is like you've been building these relationships for, sure, for 10 yeah. years like did you ever want to give up? Did you ever want to throw in the towel?
1: Um yeah, I think I think I call I think there's I call them perspective shifts. Mm-hmm. I think I have to have a perspective shift often because you have to also realize you're evolving and changing. Mm-hmm. Like I used to, you know, be in relationships or, you know, I used to also like seeing at a church, but mm. you can realize that even that transition is changing because you're changing as well. Mm. And so for me, my dip was like being like, okay, I can either sit in a comfortable place with some relationships mm. or, you know, whether it's a job that, you know, like, you know, you deserve better. You should start looking for another one. Yeah. And so for me, it was like a perspective change mm. because I was starting to change. So it was like, okay, I can handle this next level versus still seeing myself as like when I started in that Mm. entry level position. And then it's like, okay, this thing can't really teach me anymore. I've learned. And, you know, so I I try to have those often where it's like, okay, what am I doing? Why am I here? Mm -hmm. Um, Am I just here because it's comfortable? Mm. Or am I being challenged by the people around me as well? Yeah, yeah, I I feel like, but to answer your question, I'm not a quitter I think I felt you could feel discouraged every day. I mean, mm. we're creatives. I felt discouraged yeah. every <laughs> single day, all the time. Yeah. Um.
0: I have like the like people are like, how do you get to do these partnerships that you get to do? I'm like, I seriously get no's like 99%. Yeah, of that. that's I'm true. like, you want to do this? Want to do this? Yeah. yeah. It's going to stick yeah. at some point. Right. For
1: sure. <laughs> and it, it, you, I realize it's like when it's right, it'll be right. And when it's the right mm. moment, it'll feel like this is the right moment. You know, I've mm. done so many great things where I'm like, that was the I mean, you saw me play at Barclay before. Yeah. Great moment or a great thing. Wrong moment. Mm. I was like, so complaining. I was not into it. I hated every song I played. I hated what I was wearing. Like, so it was like every, you know what I mean? It was like, it was like a great thing. And so now when I look at it, it's like, Sometimes those no's are like you can't handle this right now. Yeah, you know what I mean. You wouldn't appreciate it. You wouldn't be centered. You would waste this massive opportunity. and so now I'm like, okay, cool, no. And then also I tell people like, if someone says no, they're not your person. Mm. Why would you want to be in a relationship or work with people? Not just creatively, even in like like dating someone. Yeah. Why would you want to be someone's maybe? I said that to yes. Hello. Don't settle for someone's maybe. Don't settle for someone's like backup. That's, I tell myself that all the time. I want mm. people to be like, yeah, I'm on board. He's mm. Davy Kitty. I'm like, let's do it. I love him. I think he's great. That doesn't mean that they think I'm perfect, but they, they buy into,
2: mm.
1: you know, the future and they buy into who I am without trying to be something else. And, yeah. You know, so that's, that's kind of what I would tell people. It's like, don't settle for the maybes.
0: Yes, maybe don't settle for the maybes. Yes, come on, there's a sermon in there. Hello, we're <laughs> church. <laughs> so even when you're saying like, it's like being open to the process of evolution and evolving. Yeah. And I've seen that in you. I mean, oh, the first you. thing I've, I saw you do was I was shooting stills at. Your oh, yeah. when you were doing the Amy Winehouse cover <laughs> yeah, yeah. and I remember hearing they were looping the song and I had never heard your voice and I'm like waiting for the recording to start and I was like who is singing this I love this song and <laughs> I never thought I was kidding because they were like uh, this is JD's song. <laughs> yeah. You've been listening to it on loop for the last 30 minutes. I'm like, oh my gosh, I love this. But it was such a different vibe from what you put out with, like, when you put out the I Adore You song yeah, yeah. and your Black Gospel yeah. EP. Walk me through, like, the because I feel like your artistic evolution has to have also evolved with a personal evolution. Yeah, it does. So I want to kind of hear about
1: that. That's a good question. For, uh, uh, for, for me, I try i I think people forget like i i'm I love I'm a songwriter, so i I, I love writing music mm-hmm. and sometimes if you are an, also an artist, it's an easy vehicle mm-hmm. because you write a song and it's like you can easily kind of vibe with it. So a lot of times, especially early on, I would feel forced to be a certain style that I was writing because I was like, well, I mean, Amy Winehouse is not going to cut this you know? shit. <laughs> I can't just call her up. I can't just call up, you know, Megan Trainor or whatever. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times with the older stuff, um, I would write something and be like, oh, I have to sing this now. And like, this is, you know, and I think some of the older stuff was me trying to find my identity mm. and feeling like I had to be either old school mm. or new school or whatever, you know? And I think the transition came when I was like, okay, a creative person is just creative. You know what I mean? Like I'm inspired by Pharrell. Like all of his songs sound totally different. Yeah. You know? Beyonce's Why Don't You Love Me sounds totally different than Drunken Love. Those mm-hmm. are two different songs. And if someone were to tell her that she could only do Why Don't You mm-hmm. Love Me or, you know what I mean? Like, and so I think as creatives, I was like, if I start out painting a palette for people, that's like, this is a body of work. It's like Anything For You is one of my oldest songs. Mm. That is a body of work that's by itself.
0: Is that up in, in the kitchen? kitchen. Exactly like, oh, that song know. still gets stuck <laughs> in my head.
1: But it was like, if I if I was like, oh, I, I am that and that's how I talk. It's like, it's not. Mm. One of my biggest songs is a commercial testify. I don't really sing like that all the time. I don't talk like that all the time Mm. but i had to just create that world and let it be because i used to feel pressure to be like oh now i have to do five songs just like this one song because everybody wants that you know and it's like no i don't Mm -hmm. you know it's like they have it i gave it to them and it's done just like a painting
2: you're not Mm. gonna paint
1: five of the same things or ten so why should they expect recording artists to create mm. all of the same songs.
0: Yeah. You know? I mean, but do you think you have to earn that right? Like as an artist? That's like
1: a good point. My team probably said you would. <laughs> um, I think if you're a songwriter, it's different. Mm. I like I if you know, if I didn't want to do the artist thing, eventually I would still write songs like I like mm. writing every day. Yeah. So I think because someone's not feeding that to me, mm. it, it still comes from someone yeah. that's me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like it makes us sound like I have multiple personalities. But no, it doesn't. growing up in church, there is a very gospel side of me that I'm familiar with. But then, you know, living in L.A., mm-hmm. and being in that scene also introduced me to a different kind of music. Like Like a lot of those songs came from something new that I learned, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think you earn the right, but I think if you just, if you start off as a creative being open, people will be open with you. I try my best to be like honest and open Mm -hmm. and be like, you know, there's roll with me. One of my other songs plays at Starbucks all the time. It it was a song that I was like, I don't want to put this out. I don't want people to think that, I do this kind of music, mm. but it's changed lives. It's taken a form outside of myself.
0: Yeah. You know mm-hmm. what I mean?
1: So I, now I feel less pressure to fit in that form. Yeah.
2: Because
1: it's like, oh, that song has a life of its own and it inspires people in a different way. Yeah. That has nothing to do with Davy.
2: Mm. It
1: has to do with that song mm-hmm. and the melody and that. So mm-hmm. I, just, I, I feel like I just try to do that now.
0: Yeah. You know? I feel like that, I mean, so many like vignettes just from my own life are coming to my head, even as you say that, because like as as like a online quote unquote influencer, I have this podcast or this online magazine and I'm a photographer, (laughs) (laughs) but I put so much pressure on myself when I first started The Refined Woman because I was like. I was in this preppy phase. Like we all like, yeah, went we through it in had LA. You know? I had a yeah. And I was like, well, this is what I this is what I am. I am. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. what I am. And and it's like what I should be now. Cause exactly. now this is what people expect me to be. Yes. And then I kind of like evolved from that and now Just that was dope now. I love well, the dress. Thank you. you. Dress. I love yeah. the way you dress. Thank you. But now this is so much more me. Exactly. But even on top of that, like with the refined woman, I always felt like all right, I'm a Christian, but this isn't a Christian thing. So I either have to be like all like non-Christian or all Christian. Like there's no in between. And I felt trapped by my own doing because I was like, I have to be in a box. Yeah. And I've like slowly kind of come to like, what if there's a third way? Like, what if there's another option? And I feel like to let yourself explore like permission to be like, all right, like, so, you went through the preppy phase. Great. Yeah. Like, okay, so you're a Christian. Great. Okay, so you also, like, draw ja Rule. Great. Okay, so you also, totally. yeah, yeah, like, yeah. What, if, what if I didn't have to be in a box? Yeah. And, yeah, I just wonder, like, yeah. how much more we could create as, not even as artists, but human beings, if we actually gave ourselves permission. For
1: sure. And I think it's also people realizing that people grow. Like, there's mm. growth, and I think a lot of times— People limit you to what they think your previous experience Mm -hmm. is, what they expect from you. You know, you see that with your parents. There's Mm times that I'm like, as an adult, your parents really haven't encountered you for Mm -hmm. a long time since you've been out of the house. Mm -hmm. So there's an expectation of what you were
2: Mm -hmm.
1: versus as a grown adult habits that you've created. You know, even things that you want to create art-wise as well. It's like, oh, well, they wouldn't know they're not. They're a part of your life, but they're not a part of your adult life. Right? They're not hanging out with you, getting drinks. Well, my parents aren't. <laughs> Some parents are are yeah. out there. My mom and with I can
0: kids. kill a box of wine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> a box or or so you know one
0: of Well, you know, potato, <laughs> potato. <laughs> I'm from Texas, after all. You know, dirty south. Um, so. How do you stay inspired I feel like you're creating constantly you have this life on the road which is exhausting for sure. how do you how do you not get burnt out
1: um, For me, I've learned to it's the people that are around me mm. because I'm big on it sounds like mystic but I'm big on energy I do yeah. feel like I am a person that I can easily absorb energy and mm. I, I feel. People can drain me or they can inspire me. So when I was younger and wanted to be friends with everybody and wanted to be popular, I wouldn't even reserve my energy. Mm. I would just come at a party and be like, blah,
2: blah, blah, you know, and just mm-hmm.
1: like giving out all this energy and wanting it in return. And what starts to happen is it's like I'm just drained. Yes. Nobody's giving anything back to me. Mm. I don't feel inspired. I feel rejected, you know what I mean? Like then all these negative, this negative energy fills me up. So lately I've been trying my best to just create relationships where there is like, it has nothing to do with creativity, but there's something about their life that inspires me, you know, Mm. something in their life that I'm like, man, I am really like, I like the way they talk to their wife or Mm. I like the way that they talk to their child or I like the way that they approach this marketing idea or, you know, something mm. is basic or I like the choices that they make with their personal life mm. work balance. So for me to be inspired, a lot of times it's just creating or being around people with just uh, an energy that's, that's very honest. Mm. It doesn't mean everyone's gonna be happy all the time, yeah. but it's honest, but it's also light. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There can be heavy and vulnerable things, mm. but it, it doesn't have this like cooling down effect, you know, totally. like doomsday effect, yeah. like gossipy effect, mm. you know. Um, I think a lot of that, we don't realize that being a hater and gossipy, like a lot of that really is not inspiring. It's mm. the opposite of inspiration. Totally. It does not bring ideas. Mm. All it brings is insecurity. So mm. for me, it was changing my surroundings. That's a big one. I'm uh, My family inspires me. So like mm. always keeping connected with them is mm. good because I think they are just... Family, whether it's the best family, a family that could get better, there's still an aspect of you that
2: mm-hmm. you can
1: always go back to remind mm-hmm. yourself. So, like, mm-hmm. they inspire me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, just I love you know, going to art galleries, find art, trying to. I moved to Nashville recently, and I'm like, I love just finding the art studios there and just
2: mm-hmm.
1: meeting photographers and i love
0: you saying like, that i'm inspire you
1: yeah you, inspire <laughs> you. it's just so people that capture people that choose to pick up a lens to create or like to capture an image of the world mm. that is from their eye and from their like you know, framing is so intriguing because, mm. you know, people look at it from Instagram like vanity, but I look at look at it from a place of like you just created mm. a moment in time.
2: Yeah.
1: With art. And yeah. like that is there forever. Anybody that's in that shot is, is captured in that moment and you basically brought that to the world mm. and that's your art and it's like a moment in time. And so like I'm always really intrigued by that. Because I can't see what you see when you look at that Mm -hmm. piano or when you look at that mic. Mm -hmm. I can only see what I see. So I think with photography, it's like a way for, especially an artist that's a photographer, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a way for you to see the world that that they see or the world that they want you
0: to see. Yeah, yeah. This episode of the Refined Collective Podcast is brought to you by my very own resource guide called Moving Through Fear. I created this resource guide based off my own journey and process of moving through my own insecurities, fear narratives and limiting beliefs. And let me tell you guys, if you're looking for a 10 step guide to freedom, you're in the wrong place because I'm no expert. I am on the journey with you, offering you tools graciously given to me over the years. So my prayer is that through this guide, you will know, believe and experience that truth defeats fear and lies that you are worth fighting for, and you are not alone. So grab my free guide, Moving Through Fear, on the website, therefinedwoman.com slash freebie. That's F-R-E-E-B-I-E. And remember, I am on the journey with you. So something about what you just said in that last answer about the artist having this like perspective or this moment in time, this opportunity Um, you shared, like, before we started recording this experience you recently had at a concert, just about, like, almost like the responsibility of the space we hold as an artist. Yeah, for sure. So I'd love for you to share that moment.
1: Yeah, earlier I was was telling you about when I had seen Post Malone at Lollapalooza Mm -hmm. and what struck me and what I loved about his performance is I think... When you have a moment where you connect with an artist, like a song that means Mm. so much to you, that's like helps you through life. There is a moment in time that they are not connected to, you know, because artists are not all knowing. But you know that. So you come to the show, you come with expectation. You're Mm. like, they're going to sing my song. This song will like change my life. And the artist that I love so much... Enhance that moment, they mm. take that responsibility because they know how much that song means in that mm-hmm. moment and that money that people have spent. Mm. And all they do is accelerate that moment with maybe a word of positivity or just even a smile or mm. even anything of life, like speaking into that person. I think it just enhances thousands of individual moments. You yeah. know, what I mean? like when I think of the one post song that I wanted him to play and Mm -hmm. thinking like, Oh my gosh, I always like run in Nashville to this song and it like made me feel better when Mm. I first moved there. And when he plays that song and he's like, Oh, this song's my, you know, my jam. Yeah. I'm like, Oh my gosh, he's about to sing my song. And it immediately brings this like positive emotion. And I think there's a responsibility for artists with human connection Mm. to enhance the moments that we have. Um, because then what are you doing it for? Just to yeah. look good. Right. Know? No, it's like to connect with humans and mm-hmm. and hopefully your art can make them feel something. Yeah. And hopefully in person you can make them feel even more connected with the choice that they made from your art. If yeah. it's a positive one, you mm-hmm. know I mean? to, to keep living or mm-hmm. to be better than their family, all these things when they see you live, it should be like, Man, that even made me want to be a better blah mm-hmm. blah blah. Yeah. Or that made me want to like quit my job and Pursue a
2: business,
1: yeah, and so I, I just I think we have a responsibility as artists, and there are artists that do that all the time. Mm-hmm. They just say one little thing, and I'm like, oh gosh,
2: you're like, oh my god, Beyonce said it. Yeah,
1: like, like I mean, that's like real talk. It's like Beyonce and Jay Z is that for me. I think people, I'll be real. It's like I've never ever seen two of the most powerful people be in their blackness. That show was a mm. very black show, mm. very black, like they talk about Trayvon Martin. They talk mm. about, you know, they talk about OJ Simpson. It's, it's entertaining, but it, it, the content is real. You know, mm. Beyonce sings freedom. Mm. There's elements that in Nashville and they don't water it down. And I mean, if they play in South Carolina, it's like, there are things in our culture that I feel like when I look at them, I'm like, they're so, mm. yes, they're rich and wealthy. And it does feel a bit like, you know, I, I don't know if the proper word, it feels like king and queen, you know, mm-hmm. but there's moments when it's like, they're reminding the crowd. Yeah. Still black. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, like, I, goosebumps. I just love it. Cause I'm like, I've, I didn't grow up. I grew up seeing representation, but I think representation is so important to mm-hmm. be true to who you are. It doesn't, mm-hmm. I'm not just saying for black or black people, but any, any people to like be in a space mm-hmm. and Beyonce is like, Fully, her powerful black self mm-hmm. in that space, no matter yeah. where she's at, and I love the 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 how the crowd unites around them, mm-hmm. whether they're white, Indian. There was mm-hmm. all races there, seems like all religions there, mm-hmm. and they were loving being entertained by this beautiful black couple.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, it's just it's just like huge, and I hope more artists yeah. do it and are not afraid to just fully step into being themselves. I don't yeah. want to see everybody dressing the same and looking the same and like like, be you, because yeah. there's a way that somebody, I always tell myself there's some weird black kid that feels alternative and not sure mm. he fits. And like when I speak or when I do my weird quirk mannerisms, he'll be like, oh, wow, like he's on TV. Like maybe I can be on TV. Mm.
2: Yeah, that's,
1: yeah. that's the goal.
0: Well, it takes courage. What you're saying takes so much courage to go out in front of any person, yeah, let true. alone... Tons of people, hundreds of people, thousands of people, and sure. bring your heart. Sure. It's so much easier to talk about a concept or an idea that's of true. someone else's. Yeah, yeah, But like when yeah. I'm sharing like something oh, from my point. gut, yeah, yeah. that's when I get like sweaty palms, and yeah. I'm like, I literally feel like I'm walking around naked.
1: Yeah. Oh, you're all like,
0: the time. Oh, ah, yeah, <laughs> like <yeah. laughs> I'm like walking out. Yeah. But what you're doing, sure. what you're saying as an artist, yeah. and This is what I think is so compelling about music. It's transcendent. It's like, it's like where words fail, even though so much of music has words. Like, I feel like I'll hear a song and it like takes me gutter, gutturally back to a moment, you know? And it's, it's like speaking the rhythms of my heart that I didn't know that it was trying to say, you know? And then you're in this, let's say you're at a concert. Or someone is just, you know, seeing you perform. Everyone that's there has a different story, which is what you're saying. Like there's all these thousands of people, even Beyonce's and Jay-Z's concert last night. Not every single person there is is black.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: But truth resonates with people. And you have all these different people that believe different things, voted for different presidents, you know, who feel like I would never have anything in common with this other person yet. Yeah. Your music has yeah. brought them together, and there's That's this huge. transcendental moment yeah. of unity.
1: Yeah, exactly. And the energy of that unity, I think, should be the goal and mm. the intent, not division. Mm. Division, you know. And and Beyonce and Jay Z aren't even. All they're saying is everything is love, and not just them. there's artists, it's like literally their entire message mm. is that. Mm-hmm. And so if people ever feel ostracized from that, you have to look at yourself and say, well, maybe I'm not a person of love. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because Mm -hmm. it's like, if someone's message is like in this moment. Mm. And I would say that when I was at Lollapalooza performing, I always say that to people. It's like, you're here. You're alive. When we play testify, it's like, this song you should be gr- we should be grateful we're at Lollapalooza whether you worked hard for this mm-hmm. treat this moment like you paid six hundred dollars yeah. to be here and let's oh. like let's have a moment together mm-hmm. versus feeling maybe disconnected I don't know the song I don't, you know what I mean mm-hmm. or like I'm self-conscious or mm-hmm. whatever it's like no nah, you worked really
2: hard
0: you worked really hard so yeah
1: we better go ham
0: that's right and you're alive
1: you <laughs> yeah. don't know if you'll be alive tomorrow that's so right. like let's just you know yeah, I try my best to do that. Yeah, you totally do that.
0: <laughs> so, l- what? Let's talk about yeah. Black Gospel Volume One. Yeah, um, that's that's your.
1: That was my last. That's EP. your last EP. Came out almost a year. ago yes. Today, let's see. Yeah. Not quite close. In four days, it'll be out. It have been out here. a year.
0: So, tell me about what I want to hear yeah. is about the heart and the vision okay. behind that because it sounds different than other stuff that you've done. For sure. Yeah. So, I want to hear what's the heart behind it, yeah. and if there's like. A song that's the heartbeat. Okay. Of that. Oh,
1: that's really good. Um, I'll be I'll be honest. For me, Black Gospel Volume One. I'll give credit to my manager. I didn't want to call an an EP for a new artist. Mm. We were getting like a lot of great blog coverage. Mm-hmm. Black Gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, that that was creatively for me, gonna put it in a box. I mm-hmm. felt like if people didn't really listen to it, mm-hmm. especially with the lead single being called Testify <laughs> and then the, he's called Black Gospel, That's they're gonna to... <laughs> naturally assume that it's a gospel record. Yeah. Um,
0: well, I thought Kanye West's Testify song was a oh, a church song the first time I heard it.
1: <laughs> really? I mean, he yeah, had Jesus Walks on, on that record too. <laughs> so I, was, I mean, but for me... Obviously, you had mentioned a song. I had come out with a mixtape called Music by Davy first. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like changed my name. I went by James David before. And I was like, if people are gonna gravitate towards Davy, I have to like make this EP be like Music by mm-hmm. Davey. you know? But with Black Gospel, it came about because there was a lot going on in the country. Like we literally did one of the songs. Like my grandmom had I had a heart attack the year. We were like working on the record. It there was like so many life um things that were happening. Um, I was getting really closer to my family, but Mm. I felt very like confused spiritually. And it's like, I was like, not, I just felt super disconnected from people. Mm. So with black gospel, I was like, man, I need to return back to where I started, which I felt like it was just from church. And like, Mm. why I was like, why am I doing music? Like, what made me be like, Oh, I think I want to do music. And it was like, Church. Mm -hmm. So initially I visited um, like the church that my mom and dad met at my, it's it's great church. There's some like footage in, in in, uh, the end of black gospel actually recorded that church that my parents grew up. I saw that. I didn't know that was that church. church. Oh, that's so cool. So there's like little, little skits in the EP that are Mm -hmm. actually like either my mom talking or Mm -hmm. announcements at the church that my parents met. But so that process was me just trying to like find, how to start, how to introduce people to me. Cause I was like, I kind of don't want to just put out singles. And mm. then, you know, I did, we don't have, we didn't have that manpower, you know? So I'm like, I'm going to put out an ADP. and literally one of the songs called heaven calling. We wrote that the day of the election.
2: Oh wow! So
1: it just the energy was so transitional, whether no matter who you voted for, it mm-hmm. just felt like something different was happening. And so we put that, that kind of like, I feel like heaven calling was the heartbeat of the EP Mm. because it sonically is not like the other songs. It sonically came from me being in a vulnerable place. Like when my grandma was having like heart issues, me realizing like, okay, like what does death really mean Mm. for someone that I love? My grandma didn't die, but like the process of realizing that one day my parents will die. Like one day I will die. Mm. One day, a lot of people I love will die. Like, what does death really mean Mm -hmm. and allowing and kudos to Amy Cooney. She's one of the writers on that and David Burris. Like they kind of went, we went for it Mm -hmm. because I was just in a weird space. So a lot of black gospel was me honestly, like having questions about faith, Mm -hmm. having questions about there were some shootings that were happening. There was a lot. So a lot of the writers were like, man, how do you feel about Mm -hmm. this? And I was like, well, I feel it's hard to be black in America right Mm -hmm. now. But I f- Black gospel came about because I remember my dad as much as I love him. My dad's one of my favorite people. My dad was just always so um, protective and cautious of how I presented myself mm. being in a suburban neighborhood. Like, don't wear that hoodie.
2: Mm. Put your hands
1: out of your pocket. So yeah. I, that's how that whole concept came from the EP. It was like, what if there were just like a list of rules and mm. energy that as a Black man in America, you just had to live by to feel tolerated. Wow. Not even to survive, just to feel tolerated. And so I had grown up, which is funny. This is kind of a joke, but I see this episode of scandal. I love <laughs> and there was an episode, I think I said it on another blog, where like <laughs> Olivia Pope is there's a which reminded me of my dad, it, it kind of there was his father and his son was shot and his son was like in the middle and you know and they had, I know that episode. Yeah, they had mm-hmm. planted a gun and Olivia was called in to actually defend the cop. But the lawyer that was defending the dad, when Olivia went to him and was like, why are you doing this? And he goes, you think you're a part of the solution? You're part of the problem. And she realized in that moment is like, she was a part of the problem. And so for me, just as a, it's just a black male in America, whether I have had those encounters, me pushing those encounters off and clicking past the channel and like almost shoving those ideas away. Like, well, mm. that wouldn't happen to me. Mm. That was something my family even needed often. Cause it was mm. like, well, if the cops pull you over, like you, you know, you're so articulate and you know, but I was like, at the end of the day, this isn't right for anybody. Yeah. So I have to like creatively be like, wow, I live in a world where even me I'll have to like put on a voice and mm. sit up straight and make sure like, you know? And so the idea of black gospel kind of came out of this, like, questioning, Mm. even religious, like, like, why aren't the churches I go to talking about this? Someone was just shot yesterday. Why are we talking about your cool app? You know, Mm. no shade to them. But for me, I was like, oh man, like living in LA, I felt so far removed from the reality of the rest Mm. of the world. So I would go into these sessions and, you know, all these writers who, I don't know where they're spiritually at, but they were willing to tackle it because Mm. they were like, well, this is your space.
2: Mm. We would
1: talk for hours, and they'd be like, and then my manager was like, I think we should call the EP Black Gospel. And I was like, no. (laughs) I was like, I just did these songs because I just felt like the world was changing. And I was like, Mm. I don't want to do a pop record right now. Like Mm. people are getting shot. Like there was like so much happening. And I was like, and he was like, I think you should call it Black Gospel. And he's white. You know what I mean? And and then my publishers were like, who are majority as well, white. They were like, we we will back you up in this. And the PR firm was like, you know, we'll do our best with this. And so to see it be received so well, I was very afraid. I was like, N- every, "No one's gonna like this." But mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's had a great run. Mm-hmm. I'm honestly glad it's over. Yeah. I feel like out of that space. Yeah, um, I don't. It's it's hard to sing Black Gospel the song on tour. It's mm-hmm. just not that kind of song that mm-hmm. we rarely do have in calling because I feel moved to like think about the people I love dying, and mm-hmm. I don't want to think that every time I play. Yeah, <laughs> that makes um, sense. Yeah. And so I think that trend that that record I needed to do so that I can transition into more of like the entertainer aspects. Yeah. I kind of did it flip through. I was like, yeah. okay, I got to be vulnerable off yeah. the bat because there was so much noise. I don't know if you feel that about music. There's new music out every day. Yeah. And I was like, if I'm going to get any traction, I have to my voice has to be heard first.
2: Mm.
1: And the people that, you know, I'm trying not to cuss, the people that would, like vibe with that will they'll vibe with it. Yeah. And then we'll get people later, mm-hmm. and that's kind of that kind of has been our plan. So, yeah. what's so, next? What's next is like you know, where I feel really excited. I'm a part of this Bloomingdale's campaign that'll come out in the fall. Um, and awesome, pumped. Yeah, it's 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 a good message. It's, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's this or that, but I what it's about is kind of embracing your own weird style. Mm-hmm. It was really great to kind of see their creative process Mm -hmm. and how they interpret my style with some of the designers that they Mm -hmm. chose. And that was really fun because that felt a little bit like a collaboration. Um, I'll have a new, let's cross our fingers that it's like a full project, but uh, like a new single that comes out next month in September. Oh, I can't so Should be really good. Um, <laughs> it should be really good. This <laughs> so is very convincing, Jane. This <laughs> <laughs> should be really good. Well, it's so um, vulnerable. You're like
0: you get so I close know, to the you project. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. yeah.
1: Once and, you're and, put it out. don't know. At, like, Black Gospel was like I would say making it was like four or five years old. So mm-hmm. like I was like in mid twenties starting it. Like Love Sick Fool mm-hmm. was on a mixtape. That's mm-hmm. a very older song. Mm-hmm. Um, so this project, I hope people resonate we've been playing it live so mm-hmm. i know they will mm-hmm. and the feedback from like my friends have been like yo this this stuff is fire so i think we're just more shifting into this like you know more anderson pock kind of like anderson pock outcast vibe mm. that i really resonate with for right now yeah um, I think there's just so much sad music out and I, 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 love vulnerability and I think it's good to vibe out, but I'm like, some of y'all need to have a good, old. you can also be happy. Totally. Like we can, like, I'm all about like, you come to my show, you're going to have a giant <laughs> dance right. party. I gonna make everybody dance. Mm-hmm. You can dance off rhythm. Mm-hmm. I want people to feel what I felt growing up in church, which mm-hmm. was like, yo, you got the problems. We all got the problems. We got laid off. Some people, people in our families doing drugs, but when we come in this building we're going to be grateful and we're going to like put positive energy yeah. on those people. And oh, so I try to have church for folks that will never step foot in Ooh, church. I love that. That's all. That's in my bio. Like I tell my agent, yeah. it's like, we're going to have, I call it twerk church, church. but it feels, twerk like, church. it feels a little sacrilegious. Cause okay. I'm not going to be twerking, but that's, yeah,
0: I mean, I can do that in the back. I, I know how to do <laughs> I can do that. <laughs> yeah, so
1: what's next is that we're going to play yeah. ACL and hopefully, um, some other dates with some artists that mm-hmm. I'm excited about, but I can't say. Ah! I don't want to jinx it. But they're like exactly the artists that I would I'm like excited about. Oh, so cool. aligning myself yeah. with, yeah, and hopefully like just coming out to New York more. Mm-hmm. Better. Here. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: um, okay, so you can totally say no. Okay, but could you? give us like sing a little like yeah, hook sure, or from like sure. one of your, like, even when you're like, what's like your heartbeat right now or like okay. your favorite thing?
1: Um, I always sing. Oh, oh gosh. It's hilarious. That's my heartbeat right now. Um, I really feel like people are resonating with roll with me so late in the game. Mm. And, like Starbucks plays it because I personally feel like there's a very, divisive energy that's like intentionally attacking people to feel mm. disconnected from the community and from people. So yeah, I'll sing more. Well okay. Cause that's what the whole song is about. It's about like sticking, you know, sticking with it with people mm-hmm. and like truly feeling like a lot of the relationships we have are meant to be cultivated and then there there's meant to be relationships that are like more than five years or Mm -hmm. 10 years you know like a a long term and not just in romantic way but Mm -hmm. in a like friendship and community way so i got off a plane my voice okay the
0: mic is yours here you
1: go
2: okay (laughs) i know you're afraid your heart will be broken But I'm too madly in love with you. There's no guitar. (laughs) (laughs) To let how I feel go unspoken. So I'm gonna bet it all on you to get to the pre-chorus. Every part of you needs a part of me. Ain't that perfect? I don't gotta, i give you all I got. It don't matter. Chorus. Oh, baby, roll with me, roll with me. Oh, baby, roll with me, roll with me. Trust when I say that I'll never leave you by my side is all I need. So baby, roll with me, roll with me. Oh baby, roll with me, roll with me. Oh.
1: There you go. Ah, it so good. You're so <laughs> good. I have so like sick voice.
0: <laughs> well, remember before we started, I was like, I want, I want to run a few things by you, and you're now like,
1: you're no, good. No, no. Okay. I'm just trying to practice singing more.
0: That was so good. You're So you. good. Your voice is like butter. <laughs> it's seriously like a
1: fine
0: leather jacket. Thank you. <laughs> um,
1: All that talking I do, I better know how to sing. He's like, what if he
0: sucked?
1: <laughs> <laughs> and they'd be like, <clears throat> like <clears throat> yeah, like, bro, you need to <laughs> yeah. pursue something else. No. Okay.
0: So awesome, just man. last question okay. before you leave. If you could say one thing mm-hmm. to yourself 10 years ago mm-hmm. when you were starting this journey, maybe you were feeling burnt out, or unsure of what was ahead. What's the one thing that you wish you could tell yourself?
1: That's pretty good. I don't know. I guess I said it earlier is like, don't settle for maybe. I think I like, I'm a lover. I love people. And I, and I would tell myself like, you are enough. Like everybody that is supposed to be in your life will be in your life. Like don't settle for a second string. You know what I mean? Like definitely pursue and also get, give that as well like give people you not a version that you think they like but give them you give them James David because then you just will benefit from loving each other and growing together and so I would tell myself that 10 years ago being that I was like really you know really young because I'm like 16 right now no, I'm just <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah I, I would tell myself you're enough is overset. so I wouldn't say you're enough but like you should never be anybody's maybe Like, you are it. And that sounds cocky, but you know where it comes from. It's like, you are it, dude. Be yourself.
0: I'm Kat Harris, and you've been listening to the Refined Collective Podcast. You can follow our journey on instagram at the refined woman our website therefinedwoman.com for show notes other features and interviews and a deeper look into our tribe find us on itunes the refined collective subscribe rate review and leave us some love join me next time and thank you so much for listening and one last thing in case you ever forget you are not alone your story matters and you belong here